Well, yeah, yeah, and no, and 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 let me just revive revise my last statement. I don't think that you can trust Americans to do the right thing, unless they have a tangible reward to do so. Uh, yeah, I think that I think that other countries have figured it out. I, and I mean, you know, um, for all of the uh, for all of the liberal people listening uh, to our podcast, I'm going to alarm them by letting them know that um, I do listen to Adam Carolla sometimes, and this is something that Adam Carolla talks about a lot. He talks about how like uh, in in places like Japan, you know, when they go to like sporting events. The people stay stay at the stadium after the event is over to clean up uh, the, the, the stadium, and 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 uh, and that Corolla's point is just yeah, they're just they're just they're just better than us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, and it doesn't fit in with the ethos of rugged individualism, which is part of that's the American myth. That's a big part of it, you know. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. John Wayne and all that, you know. John John Wayne is not picking up his cigarette butts off the prairie. That's for damn sure. Welcome to The Comedian and the Philosopher, a conversation on topics both high and low brow. I am Mike Leibovitz, your resident comedian. And I am Duncan Gale, your peripatetic philosopher. So on this episode, we talked about um, free will. We talked about the, uh, the new Patrice O'Neill documentary that was just out on Comedy Central. And... Um, we talk some more about Gina Carano. We just can't shut up about Gina Carano, can we? No, no, we certainly can't. Yeah, yeah. We also talked about the uh, pandemic and um, whether or not it's good for um, officials to withhold information from, from the public, from Americans specifically. So if you're interested in all that and uh, you want to hear me actually uh, read some stuff from David Hume, some actual real philosophy stuff, uh, you're in for a treat. Peripatetic, again, the old peripatesis of the seated philosopher. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I'll, uh, I think I'll stick with that one for a while. Yeah. That's good. Do you subscribe to the peripatetic school of philosophy in general? Um, yeah, you know, I, uh, I'm actually not quite sure what the content of that school really is. I know that it, yeah, it comes from... Aristotle's habit of walking around with his students, but yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure if if there's a real kind of doctrine behind the school other than just your best thoughts come to you while you're walking around. Yeah. Okay. So it's just yeah. sort of the the get off your ass school of philosophy. I think so. I think so. But uh, if anybody wants to write in and correct me on that, 
you can do so at the comedian and the philosopher at gmail.com. That's right. We um, we made a plea to our listeners, um, uh, uh, flattering ourselves there to assume that they are plural, uh, to write in <laughs> um, with any thoughts about <clears throat> anything that we said. Because I, I will, I'm, I'll be the first to admit that while Duncan has studied all these. Uh, concepts that uh, come into our conversations. I have not. And I uh, I don't tend to think about what I say before I say it. I often only know what I think about something after I've said a hundred different things that uh, that I don't actually think. So um, right. I'm going to get a and lot I, of stuff wrong. Yeah. And I, I, uh, I completely overthink everything I say. So everything I say uh, when you ask me any kind of uh, straightforward question, I say, well, I mean, on the one hand, uh, people in ancient times thought this, but on the other time, people thought this. And, well, so uh, in conclusion, I don't really know. Right. Which, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess philosophy <laughs> is the study of figuring out that you don't really know. Yeah. I mean, if you take it all the way back to um, our, uh, our hero, Socrates, uh, yeah, that was his his basic insight was that he uh, he knew that he didn't know anything. And then when he tried to show that everybody else also uh, was in the same boat of not knowing anything, um, other people didn't like that. And uh, so they put him to death. Yeah. So they killed him. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He said, I don't know anything and neither do you. And they said, get the fuck out of here. And, and he was like, you don't know what that means. And they, they, yeah, they killed him. Yeah. yeah. That, that sure shut him up. We're not still talking about him 2,500 years later or anything. So that's Hell good. No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how to make a martyr. Well, you know, definitely involves killing somebody. Yeah. Or, yeah, or, or kicking them off of the Mandalorian. Um, <laughs> that too. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Did you watch her uh, interview with uh, Ben Shapiro? Oh, you know what? <laughs> I started to watch it, and but uh-huh. I couldn't finish it because um, I don't know. I have children, and they come into the room, and they uh, I'm watching stuff. So no, the answer is no. But also yes, I watched yeah. maybe like the first five or ten minutes of it, um, yeah. and I yeah. So. I don't know. I mean, I think the whole thing is so stupid. It, I really just think it's yeah. the more that I've thought about it. We talked about it last week. Like I, I don't even see that she did anything wrong, like at all. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and 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 watching that video really kind of just um, crystallized it for me. I mean, because I was kind of thinking, you know, at the time that I put off put, put, uh, that that I put up that. Um, fairly controversial Facebook post of mine where I just said, hey, you know, when when uh, when, G- when Gina Carano gets fired from, from The Mandalorian, that, that just kind of proves a lot of the things that conservatives are saying about the excesses of woke culture. Um, yeah, uh, watch, watching that interview she did with, with Ben Shapiro just kind of um, further uh, reinforced for me the fact that, yeah, she doesn't seem like she 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 seems like a perfectly decent person uh, who is not mean spirited in any way. She she just said she just posted some things that some people you know thought were maybe a little a little off base and and maybe not 
not quite as uh, eloquent as uh, they they could have been. But yeah, I I mean, you know, a lot of people talk about how intent doesn't matter anymore, but. I think that way lies madness. I think, uh, yeah, I think well, intent still needs to count for something. Well, I, I think it should need to count for everything. I actually published yeah. like a long Twitter thread about this a while ago, which was, uh, I don't know, sort of pointless. I don't know why I go on Twitter. My, I, my most recent observation was that uh, a, a beta fish will attack its own reflection thinking that it's another fish, and I think that's a pretty good metaphor for Twitter. <laughs> but... Um, yeah. The, yeah, I mean, the, the, the idea that, like, the received, the received meaning uh, of what you say is equally or more important than the intent of the speaker is just to imbue words with a power that they need not have, right? I mean, that's, you say, that, well, that gives words power if, the, right. if, if their received meaning is more important than their transmitted meaning. Then, right. you know, then these words do have power. But mm-hmm. really, the, the purpose of a word is just a tool to convey intent. Like, that's what it's for, is for conveying intent. And if I say something to you, and you receive something different from what I meant, well, then what we have is a failure of communication. I have misused the tool, and then I can use those same tools again to correct that error. But right. If what you receive is more important than what I transmitted, then it's no longer a tool. Now it's a weapon. Right, right. Definitely, definitely. Well, yeah, and, yeah, I mean, one of the things that, uh, yeah, Gina Carano said in this interview was she was talking about how, like, yeah, I mean, if I could just, like, sit down with with, with these with these people and just, like, like look at them face to face and, you know, I, I, I think think we would be able to see that you know none of us have any hate in our hearts you know in terms of anything but yeah i think the problem is is that when you're interacting with people over social media yeah like somebody sees something they get offended and then uh and then they don't want to like look you in the face anymore because they're they're just so they're just so offended that they can't even look you in the face anymore and so communication breaks down and that's that's basically the end of that. Yeah, yeah man. Uh, there was a, who is this journalist who was just fired from his podcast at um, what's it called? <laughs> this is turning into the anti-cancel culture podcast, which was not our intention <laughs> at all. But hang on, I'm going to look this up. This Slate. Okay, so oh god. Anyways, I, I don't know. Slate had some dude who. Uh-huh. Uh, who in a Slack channel with colleagues had suggested that using the N-word uh, could be appropriate oh, under yeah. certain circumstances. And right. uh, he was, I guess he wasn't fired, he was suspended indefinitely, which I'm not sure what the difference is. Um, mm-hmm. but, um, but one of the one of the quotes in the article I read about this was that the um, uh, someone said that, that uh, the black employees should have the right not to hear that word and not to have a discussion about whether they should have to hear that word. And I feel like those are two very different things. To not hear yes. the word is one thing. Yes. Um, but I, I can't, I don't know how we got to a place where like we, we can't have a discussion about whether or not something is appropriate. I mean, that, that seems, that, that seems uh, like, you know, on the road to madness. 
Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, the thinking behind it is that, you know, even to have a discussion about whether or not it's appropriate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess it's like people are supposed to already be aware it's so obvious that it's not appropriate that to that to even broach the question of whether or not it is 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 like yeah some sort of um i don't know uh not not not, not a hate crime but a, a microaggression i guess mm-hmm. uh, that's that's um that's um, um another one of those words microaggression you know you would think that that word was created by the people that were criticizing woke culture as like um, as like some sort of um, parody of of, of uh, what they were talking about microaggression, but no, no, people actually talk about microaggressions. As, oh yeah, as, as if it's as as uh, yeah yeah as if it's a real thing, and yeah, and I think that that's like one of one of these like interesting examples of a, a neologism that you know when you first hear it, it sounds completely ridiculous, but now it's like people have gotten used to it and it's like oh yeah you know microaggression you know yeah that's that's a, a real thing <laughs> right oh duncan uh, a <laughs> fu- funny anecdote about that i was having a, yeah. a socially distanced outdoor uh, dinner reunion with a couple of my friends uh-huh. um and so we were eating at this pizza place in new jersey and my, i met my one friend there who is who is white and we were waiting mm-hmm. for um a, for our third friend who is indian american and mm-hmm. uh, uh, not American Indian, in Indian American. Right. And, and um, uh, a, uh, a, a, a tall fellow of the same sort of complexion walked by and we're all wearing masks. So my one friend got up and was about to yell his name and then realized it was somebody else. And then he uh-huh. sat down and he was like, whoa, that was almost a huge microaggression. <laughs> a huge microaggression. A huge microaggression, right? Yeah. Micro, of course, meaning small. I mean, that's right. the thing. The, the word is a microaggression. It kind of sounds like it's not a big deal if it's micro. Um, right. Exactly. But uh, but yeah, microaggressions definitely can't be huge, right? Well, yeah. I mean, that's uh, you know, it's uh, hard to say. But yeah, I mean, we're we're, we're at a point. I mean, I, I mean. You know, microaggression, huge microaggression. It's like, uh, you know, don't fight in here. This is this is the uh, war room. You know, I mean, we're we're right, we're at right. that point. Right, 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 right. <laughs> <laughs> is that from a movie or something? Don't fight in here. That's this from that's from that's from um um doc, Dr. Strangelove. Of course it is. Right. Yes, <laughs> that was going to be my guess. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's also like. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, the, the microaggression, of course, is like t- um, putting people on the hook for uh, n- not knowing things, right? right? Or, or d- deliberately taking things out of context or uh, separating the action from the intent, right? It's like, well, you didn't, mm-hmm. you didn't mean anything by that, but it's still aggressive. Where to me, for something to be aggressive requires aggressive intent. I mean, like, I might. I might bump into you and knock you over, and that's an accident, but it's only aggressive if I push you. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and uh, I mean, I guess, you know, microaggressions are sort of like, it's, it's become the new way of referring to certain behavior that we used to refer to as just kind of maybe passive aggressive. Um, 
I mean, I guess that's that's maybe uh, another way to uh, to look at it, and that's that's maybe a way in which in, in, in which the word does have some use. Is, is is that like you know, there's maybe maybe some some situations where you know somebody is kind of saying something and you know they're they're just stopping short of uh, you know completely uh, insulting you, but they're 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 saying something that kind of seems like it's designed to get under your skin a little bit and. Uh, yeah, so, but maybe, but uh-huh. but in in that instance, like a, a passive aggression is something that's right. intentional. There is aggressive sure. intent when you're being passive aggressive. You're just sort right. of outwardly being passive about it. It's sort of like Minnesota nice, right? Is passive right, aggressive, right, right. but uh, a microaggression, unless unless I got this wrong, uh, is yeah. is usually when there is no ingre- aggressive intent. There's just somebody is insensitive about somebody else's culture or background or lived experience because they aren't aware of it. And so they act in an ignorant way, which can trigger people. And that's a microaggression. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't aware that, that the definition of microaggression had in it that, that there is no aggressive intent. Um, But I don't know that, that could be right, yeah. yeah well, not, I don't know if the definition. Yeah. yeah, well, me neither. I, yeah, everyone <laughs> on the internet became an amateur sociologist. But That's right. uh, the uh, I, I you know I think the the um, I don't know if it means necessarily that there is no aggressive intent, but I I think it it means a part of the definition is there need not be aggressive intent. Right. It's not not right. that there cannot be aggressive intent, but that there there need not be aggressive intent yeah 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 i guess just just maybe something that's 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 kind of thoughtless like yeah i mean if 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 we're with your uh your indian american friend and yeah there's like curry on the menu and we say like oh well you know you know about that right or you know right of course the frustrating thing is that like (laughs) he does Right, right, right. <laughs> because he grew up, he he grew up in a culture, you know, where he where he ate this kind of food a lot, and he would have a more informed opinion about which curry I should order, probably. If it were an Indian curry, if it were a Thai curry, then that's totally offensive, and I should have right. my podcast canceled. But sure, sure. Anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, who knows? Um, I also <laughs> think there's something about. I get I I really do like I think it's good that we're more sensitive to people's feelings than we used to be in general. I think that that is good, Um, you know, and I think it's good that we don't shame people for being fat, although if it helped them to get in shape and lose weight, maybe that was a worthwhile tactic. I don't know. I'm sort of on the fence about that. I definitely grew up being fat shamed. Right. Oh, yeah. Me, too. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not sure, like as a victim of this, that that was bad for me because it, uh, you know, it encouraged me to uh, engage in behaviors that would make me less fat, which is better for my health. Um, now, I'm yeah. still a fat piece of shit. So how well it worked, that's questionable. Well, it's not questionable. It's clear. It didn't work very well. OK, I've just answered my question. Fat shaming doesn't work in this instance. But um, well, well, yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I mean, it is a tough issue because, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely, uh, I, th- I, I'm, I'm definitely under the definition of fat, but I'm not as fat as I could be, uh, and I think that I am always kind of, 
constantly, constantly fighting it. Um, and I, I, I have to assume that a certain amount of that does come from, yeah, the, the, uh, the echoes of, of fat shaming from my, from my childhood. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, it's tough because, you know, I mean, fat shaming works, works with some people with other people. It does sort of the absolute, the, the absolute reverse, you know, I mean, it, it just makes somebody crawl deeper into their, you know, shame, shameful, uh, snacking ways or you know, what have you. You, you know, know what my mom used to do to me when I was, uh, uh, so I, I was fat all my life, and then I lost a bunch of weight at the end of high school. Yeah. And then I went away to college, and I got really fat again. And yeah. what she did to me that summer when I was home for my, cre- uh, for my freshman year is she uh-huh. taped a photograph of me when I was thin to the, uh-huh. bread, to the bread drawer. Oh, wow. So I had, <laughs> I had to see it every time I, <laughs> I went to go get bread. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. So I don't know if this is good or bad. I think in general, you know, I mean, there is an argument to be made that like the bullies had a point. They just weren't articulate enough, you know. Right. But I think in general, it's good that people are not uh, bullied as much for being different. On the other hand, when it goes so far as to, you know, as to deny that it's unhealthy to be overweight, for example, um, then that's bad. Or even like the idea. So a safe space in general like, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's like if, if some, if there's some behavior that triggers you personally. And so the solution to that is to, um, make everyone else around you avoid that topic say, right. Right. Now what, now what we've done is taken something that was one person's problem and turned it into Mm -hmm. everyone's problem. And so, I'm not sure that that's the solution to just have more people have more problems so that individuals have less intense problems. I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. Um, right. I, I'm guessing there's a balance to be struck and we just haven't sure. found it yet. That's my guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was just thinking of, um, yeah, another Stanley Kubrick movie, uh, full metal jacket. Uh, you remember uh, in the first first segment of that with the with the drill sergeant and you know I was just thinking about how yeah I mean you know he was um, he was a very um, you know tough and difficult guy he was he was very abusive to to the uh, recruits uh, especially the one overweight Vincent uh, D'Onofrio the, yeah yeah played by Vincent D'Onofrio uh, and yeah and that sort of behavior. You know, it's like, yeah, if, if you go into the into the, you know, Marines, it's it's kind of like, well, you know, you probably know what you're getting into to a certain extent. And you uh, and, and that behavior is supposed to kind of help you and and uh, build you up. But nevertheless, for some people, that behavior uh, causes them to um, go crazy and uh, kill their drill Sh- sergeant. And shoot themselves. up the whole. Yeah. Yeah. yeah platoon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's sort of like we have these two choices. We can like accept mediocrity in ourselves and in others, or we can all yeah. be fucking brutal to each other all the time. And there just yeah. has to be a third way. There's, it can't, right, right. It can't, those can't be the only choices. Or sure. maybe they yeah. are. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Duncan, <laughs> we have, we did not get any emails last week. 
We asked oh, everyone for bad. emails. We didn't get any emails. But somebody did reach out to you with a correction about something that we had said on a previous episode regarding Trader Joe's and oh, yeah. Aldi grocery chains. And right. would you like to, uh, you, you, you want to take this one? I, I forget. Um, it's your friend. I don't know if she wants to be identified or not. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, we can we can uh, keep her name uh, private, but but yeah, no, she um, she just contacted me and um, yeah, pointed out that um, yeah, Aldi and uh, Trader Joe's are actually the, the yeah, there's there's actually no direct relationship uh, between the uh, the two of them, although I guess people think they are. Yeah, I'm actually gonna um, draw up the uh, the article here, but. Yeah, so I think, yeah, a couple of a couple of episodes ago when I was talking about my Aldi experience and we we talked about um, that place. Um, yeah, so uh, the uh, the article I'm looking at says, yeah, a popular misconception about Aldi is that it's a sibling company or at least a cousin to Trader Joe's. It is not. While the two chains have some similarities with both following a low-price, private, label-dependent strategy, they are independently owned and operated. The confusion arises from the fact that their ownership groups, currently separate, have a shared history. And then the article goes into that shared history. And, yeah, I mean, if you... I think I think if you just Google all the Trader Joe's, are they related, uh, you should find this article if you're... If you're interested. But, That's right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Well, we just want to mm -hmm. we just want to correct that. I think I said that they were owned by the same company. They're not owned by the same company. Although right. cousin companies does sort of seem a little bit more appropriate because they were owned by one company. I mean, mm -hmm. there was one company that split mm -hmm. into two, and then one of those companies ended up owning Aldi, and the other one ended up owning Trader Joe's. So it's sort of right. like they would be parents. They would be cousins, except by divorce. And not blood right, cousins. Right. Yeah. So, but there, there is some shared history there. So anyway, that's a correction to, I don't even remember which episode, but I think the second sure. or third one. And um, we just want to thank Duncan's friend, who shall remain nameless, for bringing yes. that to our attention. And again, if, if anyone else has any uh, mistakes they want to point out, it's the comedian and the philosopher at Gmail. Com. Duncan, one thing I've been having a really hard time with is realizing that this pandemic is not going to end ever. Um, and yeah. I've been getting... <laughs> it's tough pill to swallow, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they they keep pushing it back when it's going to end. They, you know, first, first, they're like two masks, and then they're like, oh, by June, and then they're like, well, we'll still be wearing masks into 2022. And what's happening is this, right? People are getting vaccinated. And of course, everyone should get vaccinated is going to prevent a lot of deaths and a lot of hospitalizations. But the vaccine is only effective against the original strain of the coronavirus. And there are all these mutated strains, which the vaccine only protects against partially or whatever. And then those are going to keep evolving. And the protection is going to get less and less. There's going to be more vaccines. And I just feel like I'm starting to accept that it's just never, it's going to get better. But this idea that like, oh, it'll be done by summer is like a fucking fantasy. And the comedy clubs are never going to open up the way that they were. And I've uh, been having a hard time with that. How have you been dealing with all this shit? 
Yeah, well, yeah, I haven't, I haven't been dealing with it, yeah, super well either. But, you know, I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of in that, you know, wait and see mode because, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I have been hearing a lot of that same kind of stuff that you've been talking about, Mike. But I don't claim to be original. Oh, okay. What's the other stuff no, you've no, been no. hearing? Make me feel well, better. Hit yeah, me with this so, other stuff. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, there, there was there was this article in the uh, Wall Street Journal um, that I, I, I saw posted um, on Facebook. And it, I mean, it was posted by a more conservative friend of mine. Um, but it it is written by this guy, Marty Macari, who... Um, who is a surgeon and who, who works at uh, Johns Hopkins. Uh, so, you know, he seems like a relatively reputable uh, person. Uh, and, the, and the article is just, we'll have herd immunity by April. Um, and, yeah, yeah, and the article is basically just that, you know, um, the, the positive... Um, the positive aspects of you know the the, the sort of inroads that are that are happening with the, the pandemic, uh, a lot of that information is kind of being actively suppressed um, in the uh, media and so forth. Um, and, in order um, to get people to comply better with the the social distancing and the mask guidelines, et cetera. Right, right, exactly, exactly, and that, and, and, and that actually there, there, there's a lot more good news out there than we're, than we're necessarily hearing, and it's, it's a, a tough thing because, yeah, I think that this is, um, this is the perspective that a lot of, yeah, people uh, on, the, on, on the right or, yeah, people more conservative-minded are, are, are saying is that, you know, this pandemic is not really quite as bad as, um, as, as it's being made out to be in the uh, media and so forth, and yeah, you know, I'm sure that somewhere between the what the mainstream media coverage is and what what the anti-maskers are saying, you know, may, 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 maybe the truth is somewhere in between uh, the two of those. Uh, but yeah, I I still think there's there's something to be said for you know. <laughs> I, and, and and this and this has to do with maybe my uh, my lack of faith in my in my home country of just yeah 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 there's there's something to be said with with maybe misleading uh, people and be, being a little more alarmist uh, because yeah uh, I think as soon as there's any kind of significant coverage of oh no actually actually um, thing, things are going really well with the pandemic and we're making a lot of progress. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, the American mindset is okay. Well, let's let's just go out and not have masks anymore, and let's let, let's just go out to restaurants now, and and that will that will initiate a a dramatic spike uh, in the cases again. So you know, I mean, I think you know. So you're coming out. I, you're coming out in yeah. favor of deliberately misleading the people in order to get them to <laughs> act in a more responsible way. Is that what you're saying? Well, boy, Mike, when you put it that way. It sounds like I'm uh, kind I'm, of a uh, <laughs> Stalinist I'm, or something. But. Well, but <laughs> but 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 yes. <laughs> and and that is what that is what the argument on the right is is that yeah, this yeah. is this is fascism, right? Right, right. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if you're trying to counter an argument that this is fascism, maybe don't act. I mean that shit. I'll tell you what I have a lot a hard time with, and and maybe. 
maybe you're right, okay? But for me, okay, you remember when they said don't wear masks, they don't even help. In fact, you probably get your germs all over them, it'll be even worse. Right, yeah. That was a lie. They said that yeah. because they thought we couldn't be trusted to not hoard masks when there weren't enough for the for the medical workers. Yeah. And and we're here like you know and people are writing like love songs to Anthony Fauci and stuff when he lied right, to right. everybody. Yeah. What if what, do you really think maybe I'm overly optimistic. Do you really think that if if Tony Fauci had said, "Look, masks work and they're help and they and and they're important, but we really need them for our medical workers, so please don't buy them. Just use cloth masks for now." until there are enough paper masks or, you know, medical masks available. Do you really think that Americans would have been like, fuck the doctors, fuck the nurses, I'm getting mine? I, I'm asking, I don't know. Yeah, no, well, yeah, I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a tricky thing because, you know, I don't think Americans would have consciously said that, but- They would have said that, but they would have done it. <laughs> Yeah, I, th I think a lot of Americans would have been like, oh yeah, yeah, I understand what he's what he's saying and everything. Uh huh, honey, let's uh, let's let's uh, go to the store and just get um, a bunch of masks just uh, just uh, just in case. Okay, yeah, you know, I, I mean, you know, we'll do it, but you know, it's okay if uh, you know we do it. Yeah, I, I I mean, I think that's I think seeing what happened with the toilet paper at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, I mean, I think that was. That really made me lose a lot of faith in humanity. <laughs> so, <clears throat> yeah, that yeah, remember that when when toilet paper was like a just a yeah. just a, a commodity, people were selling it on the black market. I was like sneaking into uh, gas station restrooms and trying to steal a roll. Do you right. um, that this is what you're describing here is the classic crisis of the commons, right? The, the 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 crisis of the of the of the commons did you say oh are you not familiar with this the crisis of the no. commons oh this no, is a no, sort of standard so. yeah. um, thought experiment in economics okay crisis okay. of the commons uh -huh. you have a common area where everyone's uh -huh. uh, sheep are allowed to graze right okay and yeah. if uh, everyone only uses their certain allotted amount of grazing space then everyone's mm -hmm. sheep will prosper. Right. right or everyone's sheep will will be fed but right, if right. Uh, so there is a an incentive for the group to adhere to these limitations on the amount of grazing they can do on the commons but because mm -hmm. there is for there is no incentive for any individual to act that way then right. uh, and because i assume that the shepherd who lives on the next farm over is not behaving that way I'm going mm -hmm. to let my sheep out and let and have them graze as much as they want to, um, right? And right. assuming that everyone else will too, the the commons will be overgrazed and then all of the sheep will starve. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, so that right, that's right. the crisis of the commons. Okay, interesting, interesting. Yeah. And that's what you're yeah. describing. Yeah, with yeah, the masks. Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think people can be trusted to do the right thing unless they have a very tangible reward for doing the right thing. Yeah, and I think yeah. if you if you treat the populace that way, the populace will act yeah. that way. 
So yeah, I think it's yeah. kind of a self-fulfilling thing. I don't know. Yeah. For, for me personally, I'll just say it. I cannot stand being lied to. I fucking hate being lied to. So I understand that. Well, yeah, yeah, and no, and 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 let me just revive revise my last statement. I don't think that you can trust Americans to do the right thing, unless they have a tangible reward to do so. Uh, yeah, I think that I think that other countries have figured it out. I, and I mean, you know, um, for all of the uh, for all of the liberal people listening uh, to our podcast, I'm going to alarm them by letting them know that um, I do listen to Adam Carolla sometimes and. This is something that Adam Carolla talks about a lot. He talks about how, like, uh, in in places like Japan, you know, when they go to like sporting events, the people stay stay at the stadium after the event is over to clean up uh, <laughs> the, the, the stadium. And and and, uh, and uh, Carolla's point is just, yeah, they're just they're just they're just better than us. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Well, I mean, and it doesn't fit in with the ethos of rugged individualism, which is part of, that's the American myth. That's a big part of it, you know, so. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. John Wayne and all that, you know. John John Wayne is not picking up his cigarette butts off the prairie. That's for damn sure. Hell no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that's, uh, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for all yeah. the liberal people listening to our podcast, if you made it through our cancel culture diatribe at the top, that's right. congratulations. <laughs> It is. It's. Uh, I don't know. It's. It's depressing because I. I am a liberal, but. Sure. Yeah. Me too. But yeah. li- nobody drives me fucking crazy like. Idiot leftists. I don't know. It's just so fucking. All of all of the woke bullshit is so stupid. Not all of it, but most of it is just just like the moral bullying and the lack of humor is like. Right. That shit is hard for me. Oh it's sure, really yeah, hard for me. yeah, definitely, definitely. Me too. And I think that we have to be, we have to be critical of it. Yeah, I mean, we have to be more critical of that because, yeah, I mean, I mean, those are the people that are on our side. We have to, we have to be critical of the people on our side that are going too far. And again, you know, to go back to the whole, you know, Gina Carano issue. I mean, that that's why I think I I took such a strong stance on that issue was because you know I I. Um, you know, I'm. I understand. Uh, you know, in theory, uh, so some of the reasons why uh, you know people might find some of the things that she posted objectionable, but I am very disturbed by the actual actions that people people took a, as a result of that. You know, so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Although I don't, I really just to go back to Gina Carano for a second, and then we can move yeah, on. Yeah, sure. I don't, I, I, when she said, so the first thing she got in trouble for was she listed her mm-hmm. pronouns as beep, boop, bop. Right. Okay. Yeah. That is funny. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, well yeah. That's, <laughs> I mean, um, like nobody's talking yeah. about it. That's actually funny. That's a joke. Sure. She's, sure. she's taking well. a trend that's going on. <laughs> And right, she's right. making a joke that's actually funny. And for this, right. people well, get mad at her. Mm-hmm. It's. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that, yeah, yeah, a lot of people, yeah, construe that as, as uh, you know, sort of insensitive. But I think it has to do with let's, 
let, let, let's kind of clarify what her target was. And, and, and this is something, again, that she talked about in that interview. Is right. That she, she, she said that, yeah, no, I was, I, my, my, my target by doing that was that I was um, against the people that were bullying me into putting pronouns up. Uh, and, 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 and she was, she was not right. actually, uh, you know, she, she did not mean to actually attack transgender people. She just wanted to attack, you know, with what, what are probably mostly, you know, straight cisgendered. white cis, cisgender people that they're like, Hey, Hey, you need to put up your, your, your pronouns to be in solidarity right. with the trans people. And it's like, okay, well, you know, maybe. Maybe don't uh, you know worry about that uh, that that uh, bullshit. You know? Which which is which is where comedy is supposed to be directed. It's supposed to be punching up, yeah. right? So you're not absolutely. Su- yeah. You, yeah. You're not supposed to be making fun of people who have been oppressed, but you're you are absolutely supposed to make fun of people who are trying to uh, compel you to change your behavior and have the power right. to do so, even if it's just right. social pressure. Pressure. There's nothing sure. wrong with making fun of sanctimonious assholes. I mean, that's what that's what jokes that's are for. That's true. And yeah, I actually so, thought, agreed. I did not find her very funny in that interview, but but that's funny. No. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Beep boop yeah. bop is funny. <laughs> also, it's like, what if those were her actual pronouns? I mean, you're supposed to respect whatever pronouns. I mean, it's just on, on every yeah. level, just like the lack mm. of humor is, is offensive to me. It's like this painting right, back right, here. Right. I am sure. offended by the lack of humor. I'm not offended right, right. by the offensive jokes. I'm offended by the people who are offended by offensive jokes. I find it offensive right, right. what giant virtue signaling pussies they are. That offends me right, personally. Right. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. Now, here's the question, Duncan. People yeah. who are sanctimonious assholes, people who can't help themselves for making fun of sanctimonious assholes or people who keep getting into trouble for saying the wrong thing. All of these people, here's the question. Do they have a choice? (laughs) Could it have been any other way? That's right. I'm bringing up the topic of free will. I have a captive philosopher here and I, I want to know a little bit about free will. So yeah, Sure. It, sure. Is it real? Um, it's a good question. Well, so, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the ancients thought this, and then the other people thought <laughs> that. But so, in conclusion, I don't know, Mike. I'm uh, just uh, <laughs> just pimping you for that callback right there. There you go. That's right. Yeah, I, you know, I figured I might as well just give you a thumbnail sketch of uh, – the answer I'm going to give, so that you're not uh, wildly disappointed. Okay, well, now before uh, before yeah. you launch into this, let me ask, let me let sure. me yep. just fill you in on on why I'm asking, right? So sure. yeah, my yeah, yeah. my my whole life, I sort of assumed that, well, it certainly seems like I'm making choices, and I feel as though I have free will, right? And I'm really right. into. Um, uh, a law of attraction and all of that kind of stuff, which is the, the basic tenet of it is that you create your own reality. Um, mm-hmm. But then I've also noticed like you, you can, um, I've noticed that like there are ways where you can get what you want, but it's very difficult for me or no, it's impossible for me to control what I want. What I want yeah. is 
its own thing. And that actually mm -hmm. controls me more than I control it. And, you know, recently I've gotten into, well, in the past couple of years, been listening to Sam Harris's podcast a lot. And he has a mm -hmm. very firm view about free will in that it, that, there, that we don't have free will. And right. I'd always sort of thought like, well, maybe we do, maybe we don't, but it sort of seems like we do. So for all intents and purposes, we do, and we ought to act as though we do. But there are serious repercussions for how we would want to order society based on whether or not this is true. Sure, sure. Definitely, definitely. Well, yeah, I mean, it's tough because, um, you know, the issue of free will versus determinism, like many other philosophical issues, um, it's something where a lot of times people people get uh, bogged down in the in just the sort of terminology of it uh, at the outset, and um, yeah, I mean, I mean, Sam Harris uh, has some really interesting things to say on this subject, and yeah, and he he yeah he has a uh, he has a book on free will. I mean, it's 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 kind of like a sort of long essay on it that is. Uh, that is uh, quite good, I think. And uh, one of the things that he talks about in that essay is he says that, like, um, yeah. So he 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 definitely believes in 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 determinism. Yeah, he believes that we don't really have free will, but he says that it's very important to not confuse determinism with fatalism. Like, you know, with 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 just saying, oh well, you know. If if we if we don't have any kind of freedom whatsoever, then you know, what what's the point in doing anything? Why why, why don't I just sit on my couch all day and, and just and just do nothing? If uh, that, but but that's that's not the uh, not the correct conclusion to draw from from, from determinism on on Sam Harris's perspective. But but then that's we just, don't have any choice as to whether or not we draw that conclusion, right? Well, right, sure. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think the issue is just, I, I, I mean, what I think it kind of comes down to is just to what extent um, do our actions sort of come from ourselves? And to what extent are our actions um, based upon sort of external factors, you know, kind of um, impinging upon us in uh, one way or, or uh, another? And, um, you know, so I think that that's, that's the way that the free will debate kind of gets defined sometimes. And um, another, another debate that goes on within, within philosophical circles, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not super up on, on all of the literature in, in this, but, but there, there's, there's two different perspectives. There's, there's, there's uh, compatibilism and incompatibilism within within philosophy when talking about free will and uh it's it's a kind of to me to me it was always kind of an odd way to sort of approach the issue but again this is this is sort of the dominant perspective uh within the philosophical literature on this is that yeah so 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 compatibilism is just the idea that free will is compatible with a deterministic universe. Oh, I got to uh, slow you down. I got to slow you down. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So first of all, can you define determinism for me? Right. Um, Is this just the idea so, that, um, that our lives are predetermined? So, or no. again, 
again, when you, when you bring up the idea of predetermined, that's that's, that's almost that, that's that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that. That's almost a slightly different thing. But I think. But but yeah, they're determined yeah, yeah. by factors outside of our control. Is that what that's it is? Right. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's that. That's the distinction. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. The. So yeah, I guess the 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 issue is just yeah. Can we have freedom, while also, having things be determined by by other factors outside our control and compatibilists will say yes those two things are compatible uh, okay so you can have free will e- even in a deterministic universe yes yes when so, you say freedom you mean freedom of of choice freedom of thought freedom of action that's right that's right so so basically the idea is kind of like you know any action that you do um, you know, there's the issue of could you have done otherwise? And I think for, for compatibilists, it's something like, well, you could have done otherwise in a very sort of, you know, trivial academic sense, but, you know, you, you didn't do otherwise, you know, you, 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 you have, you have certain things that you did and, you know, they were determined by outside forces, but, but they were also free. Whereas uh, somebody who doesn't agree with compatibilism and incompatibilist will say that, no, um, in order for you to have freedom, you had to genuinely have been able to do something other than, than what you did. You, you needed to have some, um, some other option available. You know, one one sort of, uh, I, I, I mean, when, when, when I was studying this at one point in a, in a graduate class, uh, a movie that, that kind of helped me to make sense of this a little bit was um, the movie The, uh, the uh, Truman Show. Okay. okay. So in, the, in, in the, the, uh, the Truman Show, you know, so that's, that's a movie about yeah, uh, Jim Carrey plays, plays this guy who... Um, yeah, as as a uh, baby, he was like adopted by this corporation and was and was put into this uh, uh, reality TV show. And right. So this it, movie it, is it, is basically it's it's uh, basically uh, about uh, uh, anyone who was born after 1993. Now. That's <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. So. So yeah, this guy is is the star of this um, 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 reality TV show that is a that is a worldwide uh, phenomenon. It's 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 a, a very very popular show, and the 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 catch is that this guy doesn't actually know that he's that he's in a reality show. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy this guy thinks thinks that he's just living a living a regular life. My uh, analogy but, but holds. Every, All right, continue. Yes. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and so and so yeah. Um, Everyone around him—I mean, his his wife, his his childhood friend—they're all actually hired actors, um, and yeah, and so yeah. What, what, one of the sort of interesting things in, in the movie is that, um, the, yeah, yeah, Jim Carrey's character, like like when when he's a kid, he expresses uh, all of this sort of interest for uh, wanting to be an an uh, explorer and 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 like wanting to go out and like explore new. Uh, 
new, new sort of territories. But uh, for the people making the TV show, that is counterproductive to uh, to their uh, sort of interests. You know, they, they 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 want him to just remain in the in the area where they're where they are uh, making the TV show, and so they do all of these things to like make him make him scared of like the uh, the the ocean like his uh, his his father drowns in the ocean when when he when he's a kid and so that 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 like gives him this this lifelong fear of of the ocean and and, and so and so basically you know all of these people are like you know somewhat nudging him um away from these from these inclinations that that he has and so um and so that's that, that's an interesting kind of um, model, I think. And so, you know, it's worth kind of reflecting upon, yeah, to what extent uh, are our lives like that in 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 some ways? Like, do do we have certain things that you know we maybe we maybe want to do, but we've sort of been subtly nudged away from them by by external factors say for example we might um have wanted to buy a bunch of masks but then we were told by the government that they actually could make us more likely to get sick so as to convince us not to do that for example Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah exactly exactly so yeah that's um so we are all living in the truman show to a, to a to a certain extent. Yeah, I mean, you know, you definitely could could uh, look at it that way. Yeah. And, well, uh, I just yeah, prob- I just did. Probably now more. Yeah, yeah, you just did. Um, probably yeah, now more I, than ever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, now more than ever. But um, yeah, I I yeah, I'd like to just read a couple of quotes from um, David Hume, uh, a great uh, a great philosopher. Um, who um, I think is is good at sort of like injecting, you know, sort of common sense into these into these debates at times, and uh, is is very kind of clear. And um, yeah, so this is uh, th- these are some quotes from his uh, his great work, the uh, the inquiry concerning human understanding from the section of of liberty and necessity, and um, so yeah, and. The, yeah, yeah, the, uh, the issue is basically, you know, that like a lot of us would like to think that, you know, we have, we have a certain amount of freedom, but to what extent is that actually reconcilable with the, with the facts of, of the world as we know it? And so this is, this is what David Hume says. He says, it is universally acknowledged that there is a great uniformity among the actions of men in all nations and ages and that human nature remains still the same in its principles and operations. The same motives always produce the same actions. The same events follow from the same causes. Ambition, avarice, self-love, vanity, friendship, generosity, public spirit. These passions, mixed in various degrees and distributed through society, have been from the beginning of the world and still are the source of all the actions and enterprises which have ever been observed among mankind. Would you know the sentiments, inclinations, and course of life of the Greeks and Romans? Study well the temperate actions of the French and English. You cannot be much mistaken in transferring to the former most of the observations which you have made with regard to the latter. So, 
I mean, I think what he's tr kind of tried to say there is that, you know, as much as we want to think that there is, you know, freedom, uh, we also acknowledge that people in all ages, uh, you know, th th there are certain identifiable traits. Uh, and, mm -hmm. uh, you know. And we and, should and note, we right. should note that mm -hmm. when he's talking about people in all ages, he's talking right. about white people in all ages, white Western people in all ages. Could it that's, be that's, that's, that the that's Inuit do not pretty suffer? Likely, likely. Yeah. yeah. Well, he <laughs> said he's comparing the British, the French, and the Romans. Yeah, right? that's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah Maybe yeah. the in Inuit that, are less passage, governed yeah. by uh, avarice and um, all those other passions. Maybe sure, sure. They're that's governed true. more by whale blubber. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. I just wanted to well, note. Yeah. I just wanted to note that for anyone who is getting ready to write in, that, that that we recognize that all of his examples come from a particular cultural lineage. No, yeah, yeah, and I do, I do very much appreciate you uh, preemptively um, insulating us against those those attacks. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you insulate against an attack. You 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 make it first. First strike. That's right. That's right. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Bef before I go on and, re and read the read the next quote from Hume, yeah, yeah, I, I would also like to apologize for um, for reading a, a straight white male philosopher, um, and um, I'm sorry for any micro or macro aggressions I may be committing by doing that. Yeah, any any macro micros, a macro yeah. micro aggression. Um, but yeah. Okay. Uh -huh. So, so, but, but, but what Hume is saying, I just want to make sure I'm caught up because this, this is heavy sure. shit for me, man. This is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm thinking, I'm like, I'm thinking about like, do I order a burger or wings? And like, am I actually right, choosing, right. you know, but, but we're talking about like the, the, the fabric of society, right? So we're talking about, sure. He's saying we like to think that we have freedom, but we are governed by the same, um, passions that have always governed humans and are, are basically in, inherent to human nature. And that those right. passions, when put into the certain circumstances of our lives, are guaranteed to produce the results that they do. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, I think what, what he's also saying is that, you know, yeah, as much as we want to think that we have freedom, it's like, well, but we, we, we also study history and the only way we're able to even make sense of history is that we know that the people that we're that we're studying in history are somewhat like us. Uh -huh. And so when when we look at the actions of these people, the only way we can we can understand them is if we if we relate them to, you know, sort right, of right. Uh, emotions and inclinations that we have within us. And, and and I mean and that can apply not just to history but also to, you know, literature or, you know, films or what 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 Right, what, uh, right, right. Yeah. Like, how could yeah, I even yeah. understand David Hume? He wore that silly wig, right? That's right. But That's but right. but then we know, oh, but he's just a dude under that wig, and I know what dudes are like because I'm a dude. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah, so so yeah, I mean, there has to be a certain recognizability uh, and and uh, familiarity there, and so once we acknowledge that, then that kind of that that kind of also. Um, presents a bit of a threat to freedom because it turns out that, uh, you know, people in all ages 
are not that different. Uh, uh-huh. know, if you if if you if if you uh, if you poke somebody, uh, they're gonna get kind of annoyed. Uh, you know, no matter what. But the but the specific way in which they get annoyed will vary throughout history, and but that will have to do with deterministic factors of their environment and their culture, right, right. and not sure. with choices that they're making. Right. Right. Now, of course, definitely, definitely. when you poke somebody, depending on how hard and with what. Um, mm-hmm. they are reacting involuntarily. I mean, I think everyone, even if you, even if you did believe in freedom, there's a different kind of freedom between, say, you know, choosing uh, what to order for dinner, and uh, and um, how you're going to react to a to an attack, which is a sort of instinctual reaction. I mean, these are not the same kinds of things. I think even if you believe well, that, in free will, you wouldn't. Uh-huh. Or are you saying they are the same things? We just don't realize that they are. Well, it's that's interesting, Mike, because I think you've. You, I mean, you kind of blended instinctive and involuntary. Uh, I, I. I mean, I think that. I think that when you when you when you poke somebody, yeah. I mean, the the yeah the sort of initial reaction is um, um, in involuntary, but then. Once they kind of reflect upon that, then they can, you know, they can either be like, "Hey, what the fuck? I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna poke you back," or else, "Oh, okay, well that, that, uh, that uh, really was just an accident. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be okay yeah. with that." I, I or, mean, or like, they would say, "Thank yeah. you, sir. May mm-hmm. I have another?" Or depending on whatever. Or that. Yeah. Yep. No, there's, there's uh, all, yeah. <laughs> a little Takes lo- all kinds. A, lo- yeah. a little lower, please. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> You're getting close. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. So um, yeah, and let me just read one more um, passage from from Hume here, and this is uh, yeah, yeah. This is actually pretty pretty um, funny, I think. Um, so what he says here is he says um, a a prisoner who has neither money nor interest discovers the impossibility of his escape, as well when he considers the obstinacy of the jailer as the walls and bars with which he is surrounded. And in all attempts for his freedom, chooses rather to work upon the stone and iron of the one than upon the inflexible nature of the other, the jailer. The same prisoner, when conducted to the scaffold, foresees his death as certainly from the constancy and fidelity of his guards as from the operation of the axe or wheel. So... That's another kind of interesting image because, yeah, there, there what, what David Hume is basically saying is that, so, yeah, I mean, if, if uh, you know, you are in jail and, you know, there's this, there's this guard outside, uh, outside of your cell um, and, and, and then there's this, there's this wall that, that's, that, that's, that's in your jail, so you have two options. You can either convince the guard to let you go or you can... Um, work upon the, the, the stone of the wall and, and start, you know, digging yourself out that you can way. Shawshank Redemption it, one spoonful of dirt at a time. Exactly, exactly. And so, yeah, and, and, and the point is that, well, yeah, uh, in, in most cases, prisoners will, 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 will try to, you know, yeah, do the uh, Shawshank Redemption uh, road r- rather than uh, try, to, try to convince the jailer. And so, and so, so the point is, 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 the, is that... So, is, uh-huh. The obstinacy yeah. of the guard is harder than the stone of the walls. Is what he's saying. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So. So. Yeah. 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 So I didn't want to interrupt, but I had no choice. It just was involuntary. 
that's right that's right (laughs) yeah so so yeah and 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 that's another kind of interesting um yeah observation he says is yeah that you know to a certain extent you know uh immovable physical objects uh and and people there's not there's not that much difference between between the uh the uh, two of them and so you know that's that's maybe another reason to sort of rethink the way that we look at freedom is that um you know there are there are certain people that um that obey the same sort of physical laws as uh as as actual objects you know yeah although in this case yeah. even mm-hmm. even more they're even they're even more immovable than the immovable objects the, that's the, right the guards yeah. Yeah. see this is um I mean, you bring up uh, this prison example, and it's a good one. Well, I mean, when I think about so these things, you know, there's that old old joke about you know the philosophers go to a seminar on free will, and they all agree categorically that it doesn't exist. And then afterwards, the one philosopher says to the other philosopher, "So where should we go to dinner?" Mm-hmm. Right. Right. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, it's on the one hand, there's the there's the issue of like, you know does it exist and what does it mean right and then on the other hand i feel like um maybe just as important is like what does it matter right 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 because it seems so you bring up the prison example that's a good one because i think it matters a lot when we think about um uh when we think about how to discipline people who transgress right when we Mm-hmm. Um, if, if they, if free will is real, then, um, then they have transgressed in a much more real sense than if it's not. Right. 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 Which mm-hmm. I guess it doesn't necessarily say anything about the, um, about the value or the potential for, um, rehabilitation, but it does, it does make you question the purpose of, of like, a, a, you know, of judicial action. Right. It may, the purpose of right. of, uh, of 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 the, the penal code, you know, so is it to punish somebody um, or is it to um, sort of change those deterministic factors around them such that they can integrate with society? Right. I mean, is that right? right? By the way, can I ask oh, you, yeah. is one of your na- do you have a neighbor whose alarm clock has been going off the whole time we've been talking? No, I haven't been hearing that at all. Okay, hopefully it's just in my headphones. All right, good. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Um, well, yeah, so, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. The issue of, yeah, the purpose of punishment, that's, that's, that's almost a whole other philosophical issue. But, but yeah, um, yeah, I mean, in terms of, like, what this all kind of um, amounts to, I mean, if I may invoke... Uh, my other my, my other great obsession uh which is uh marvel comics um your religion you know, right yeah basically my 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 religion um yeah there's a the, there's a character in the marvel comics uh yeah in the the uh, fa- the, the uh, fantastic four uh comics specifically a a villain called the uh, the uh, mad thinker and he, he he and he's always kind of kind of a fascinating uh character to me because yeah the the uh, mad thinker is basically this guy who he doesn't have any kind of superpowers or anything he's just he's just like the ultimate planner 
and you know when when he was first introduced back in the you know 60s you know he 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 like had all of these gigantic computers and the computers would like calculate all this stuff and basically he would be able to sort of like by by amassing all of this information he would be able to perfectly predict how people would act in every single situation and so he was able to basically like capture the Fantastic Four because he was like, well, you know, when you when when you uh, when you uh, do this, then then I know that I I will be able to do that and you know be able to ensnare you in this trap and everything. And 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 so basically he was able to like, you know, capture the Fantastic Four just through, just through being able to predict everything from from information. But the th the the thing that would always uh, foil his plans was there would always be this one unpredictable x factor and 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 he'd always he, he would always say like ah that that uh, that x factor that one thing that i didn't take into account mm -hmm. that's what that's what that's what foiled foiled my plans and so you know and that's that, that that's like another interesting sort of illustration i think of you know the freedom and 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 uh, determinism is that so yeah if determinism is correct then Presumably, if we knew every single fact about a person and about every every single one of their inputs, then we would be able to perfectly predict everything that they that they did. Um, but you know, that's easier said than done. I mean, I mean, you know, the the, the complexity of of all of that information, right, and, right, right, and you know, is 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 uh, not 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 always going to go in ways that might seem predictable you know so i feel like that's i've never heard of the mad thinker but the way you describe yeah, him yeah. i feel mm -hmm. like uh <laughs> the mad thinker i feel like i feel like uh um tim cook and and zuckerberg got together and they were like i bet between the two yeah. of us we can beat that x factor and that's the yeah. world that we're living yeah. in now where i'm scrolling through instagram yeah. and i'm like you know what i really do want those shoes right right Absolutely. Well, yeah, yeah. So, you know, if, yeah, again, yeah, if you've seen movies like The, uh, the uh, Social Dilemma, yeah, no, that, uh, that, that, that uh, X Factor has been successfully overcome. Yeah. It has been successfully <laughs> minimized anyway, yeah. It's definitely a lowercase X at this point. Um, That's right. That's okay, right, yeah. Duncan, thank you for doing this uh, sort of free will for dummies section for me. I appreciate that. I mean, oh, that's, sure, yeah. That's, uh, um, I uh, I had no choice but to ask you to do it, but I um, I'm um, I'm glad that that you that that's uh, that's wild shit. There's a lot more to talk about there. So if that raises any questions in any listeners' heads, please give us a call at the comedian and philosopher at gmail dot com. Uh, if we don't answer, then just send us an email there. Um, yeah. P.S. And, we uh, won't you know, answer. I, yeah, that's right. And I um, I definitely hope that I. Uh, I did justice to this, uh, but uh, yeah, if anybody has any complaints or criticisms about how I covered this, yeah, I, I couldn't have done it otherwise than I did. So, there you nice, go. nailed it, um, Duncan. Uh, yeah, and I'm sure there's a lot more for us to for us to uh, to touch on, on on this subject. I mean, people have been talking about it for thousands of years, so I doubt we're going to settle it in 30 minutes. But um, I do. Sure. Before we wrap up. Um, it's sort of the, the idea of free will sort of relates to, um, did you, you got a chance to watch the Patrice O'Neill documentary killing is easy, right? I did. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that this was a fascinating, um, I mean, Patrice O'Neill is a, is a, he, he'd be on most people's, most comedians, Mount Rushmore. 
Well, I don't want to say, but yeah. I mean, he's he, certainly a lot of comedians are going to have him, even in the George Washington spot on that Mount Rushmore. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. as as mm-hmm. as just um, you know the the greatest of all time, and um, he yeah. was this. Uh, I think more so than most comedians, he fit that bill of modern day philosopher really well. Yeah, yeah. And that was kind of the the crux of the of the documentary was you know just his. I mean, that's why it's called Killing Is Easy because that's a quote attributed to him where he was like killing is easy you know i try and go up there and tell the truth or something like that you right know? once yep. you know how to kill that part is easy um yeah, yeah and uh i'm i'm interested because he's someone who had a lot of trouble um even though he was sort of universally recognized as kind of like top of his class head and shoulders above these other people that he came up with who are some mm-hmm. of the best comedians of all time themselves you know you're talking about Bill Burr and Bobby Kelly and, you know, um, all those sort of Opie and Anthony people, right? Um, right. And Colin Quinn and all of these people. So, uh, w- but there was something about him that just he couldn't succeed in the industry the same way that a lot of these other people did because yeah. he was constantly um, sort of shooting himself in the foot. He would he would just be brutally honest with, you know, showbiz people in a way that was not helpful to his career. And I guess the reason I even thought of, you know, asking you about free will is because I was watching this documentary and I was thinking like, could this have been any other way? Is there, you know, can you have that talent that's like that as specific as it is without having that sort of self-sabotaging aspect? So I don't know. Mm -hmm. That's just kind of what it made me think about. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I definitely was reflecting upon that stuff as well. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, um, um, Patrice O'Neill is definitely one of those guys that, yeah, I remember, yeah, back in the back in the very early 2000s, um, seeing him on like Conan O'Brien and yeah, being really impressed with him. um, Yeah. And and just kind of wondering, yeah. Yeah, yeah. How is this guy not like super famous? Yeah, because I I, I thought he was really, really funny. Uh, but yeah, I think that um, yeah, the story of his uh, of his life sort of illustrates that kind of principle of what happens in show business sometimes, where it's like, you know, show business is to a certain extent um, based upon uh, talent, but it's also based to a certain extent upon uh, uh, um, agreeableness, I think, uh, to use, uh, to use Jordan Peterson's, um, personality. Um, sure. Um, sure. I mean, that's a, that is a yeah. standard mm-hmm. personality psychology, yeah. a, a personality trait that's, that's measured for sure. it's one of the big five traits. That's right. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. And so, and so, you know, I mean, Patrice O'Neill is, is one of those guys that, I mean, I think, I think even him getting as far uh, as, as, as he did in his, in his career, um, kind of, kind of shows that you can get pretty far just on talent. Uh, but at a certain point you also need to (laughs) show that you know how to kind of play the game and, uh, be able to get along with people. Okay. And he was just, he just seems like somebody who really was not able to do that, was not able to just kind of, you know, 
yeah. smile and yeah. smile and nod when 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 he uh, needed to. No, he 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 just could not do that. And and you know and and there's something really uh, sort of noble and respectable about that. I think I think to a certain extent. Uh, but yeah, unfortunately, it it uh, did not did not serve him very well. Yeah, yeah I, I was struck by that. Um, the they have a lot of talking heads. One of them is Gary Gullman. Uh, another yep. another really great comic who who mm-hmm. said there's a reason that there's a there's a reason that that Patrice O'Neill is not the biggest comedian of all time. And that reason right. is that there is no justice in the world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, definitely. But it seems to me like that's not I mean, the world is what it is and we can argue with it. But that makes us crazy. Right. Right. There's nothing crazier than saying, you know, than pretending things are otherwise than they obviously are. And um, sure, it almost seems like you couldn't have a mind that was capable of producing that not not comedy of that quality, but of well, but a comedy of that particular kind that was also capable of like playing the games and playing nice with the producers and the and the you know casting agents and the showrunners it's sort of like what made him good was also what made it hard for him to get further than he did yeah definitely definitely yeah um another thing i think that's interesting about that documentary is that um yeah yeah two of the other talking heads that are featured prominently are uh dane cook and kevin hart Mm -hmm. um two different comedians who are both uh, you know, wildly successful, uh, and and I think present interesting kind of counterpoints to. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Kevin Hart was basically so, you know, like Patrice t- telling yeah. stories uh-huh. about when Patrice O'Neill was telling him he was a little bitch, and he'd never. Yeah, been yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, yeah, 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 and and I mean, it's kind of like you know, I mean, you can almost look at yeah, I mean, the Kevin Hart thing specifically is is kind of like you know, uh, Kevin Hart is you know Salieri. And Patrice O'Neill was Mozart, and like you know, he 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 kind of saw that you know he he would never be as good as this guy, but he, he ended up being a lot more successful in his life. Um, and um, but Salieri didn't end up being more successful than Mozart. I think he did. I I think he was at at at, at the time. And again, oh. yeah, I I I mean, you know, to 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 uh, look to that movie as a as a source of historical accuracy is not is not um great because that's that's based on a on a play that skews things uh, a lot but 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 yeah it's no peter I, Schaefer, I, I, right I, peter Schaefer play right, yeah, yeah 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 the peter Schaefer play but yeah yeah no i i i mean i think i think i think salieri was um like uh, a a a successful composer at the uh, more more successful than, than Mozart. So do you think a hundred years from now that um, people will talk about Patrice O'Neill and Kevin Hart will be a footnote to history that has to be written into a play for people to even know who he is? It's possible. It's possible. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, I'm sorry, you were making some point that I derailed, as is my custom. No, that's fine. Um, <laughs> well, well, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So... That's okay. Um, well, yeah, and and, and I, uh, yeah, I mean, I thought it was really fascinating that yeah, Dane Cook and and him were like such good pals, uh, 
and 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 like yeah i i, I can't even imagine like you know patrice o'neill the, the 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 shit that patrice o'neill must have given dane cook about like all of his um Pandering. to me people like yeah 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 like yeah pandering people pleasing tendencies yeah, yeah yeah you know i mean it's i mean another thing that really struck me about watching the documentary was i knew this at some level but just like how many of the best comedians of that generation came from boston i mean it was oh yeah i mean yeah. so i'd forgotten about dane cook but i mean mm-hmm. um you know patrice uh bill burr mm-hmm. um bobby kelly also right bobby kelly yeah um mm-hmm. Who, uh, um, Gary Gullman, uh, obviously yep. mm-hmm. Louis C.K. He wasn't in the documentary. Oh yeah, but he's right. yeah. you know he started. I mean, it's just like wow. Another thing that really um, was just fun for me about watching this was just that old world of like how stand up used to be. Whereas like yeah. yeah, you pile into the car, you drive down to to catch a rising star or whatever club, mm-hmm. you hang out there all night, you know, and you. Uh, and then you finally you get in, you work as the door guy, you start being allowed to do sets, you go up and you just sort of progress just just off of being a great comic. And then people are giving you shows and you're doing this. And it's just like it just sort of drove home to me. It came out at the right time, just like how different of a world that we live in now. It's so dumb. They had the those are like the first comics who benefited from the Internet. Right. Those were the first comics. Right. They came up and then, you know, their stand up would be shared online and they got big that way. Dane Cook used MySpace and all this stuff. Oh, but yeah. it's just at this other level now where it almost seems like the way you get attention is by doing stuff online. And then that filters down to your stand up. And it's just I don't know that one is better than the other, but it was just striking to me like this was the old world. And there was like something really just really romantic about watching you know, the story of the, you know, sort of the greatest of the club comics coming up through the clubs, you know, in the, mm-hmm. in the nineties or whatever mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. so cool. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. One more thing that I want to mention, which is I worry about the impact that this movie will have on young comedians where they will mm-hmm. think that their job is to tell the truth rather than to get a laugh and right. I dread all the, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I dread all of the so-called comedy that will res- result from the influence of this documentary, but. Um... Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's the, the, that's, that's kind of the other side is that, you know, I mean, I mean, Patrice O'Neill was yeah, no doubt very, uh, very talented and funny guy, but I mean, if he were still around today, I mean, <laughs> Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine like he'd be sitting down I, with Ben I, Shapiro as we speak. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, he, you know, because a lot of his stuff is very like, I mean, on the surface of it, it's misogynistic. And even when you interpret it, it remains misogynistic. And like, you really, need and to, you, yeah, you, he yeah, even yeah. says explicitly, I am a misogynist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, I think that there's, I think there's definitely a larger point that he's making, but you really need to, um, I, I mean, if, if you're somebody of, of a more woke mindset, you, re, you really need to go out of your way to be charitable to him in, uh, in order to kind of, you know, it's, isn't it? get, through, get through that initial, you know, layer of just um, very, very aggressive um, 
yeah unwokeness <laughs> it's it's funny it is funny to think about that you know patrice o'neill um a uh, black guy from Brookline, Massachusetts, raised by a single mother. If he were doing stand-up yep. today, he would be an alt-right comedian. Yeah, he might be. <laughs> um, so funny. Such a good documentary, though. I recommend everybody watch it. What do you, I mean, if you're listening to this, Absolutely. stop and Seconded. watch that. And also, if you're a comedian watching that documentary, remember, killing is easy if you are patrice o'neill you yeah. however um have trouble yeah. killing and work on that yeah. first yeah 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 first Rem get to the point where 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 you are killing um every night and every one of your peers respects you a lot and then you can right get more experimental I yeah. important to remember that you are not patrice o'neill and uh yep. Maybe those should be our closing words. Remember, folks, you are not Patrice O'Neill. Um, no, you are not. So anyway, um, that's going to do it for today. That's the show. Thank you for listening to The Comedian and Philosopher, if that is, in fact, what you have done. And we'll be back out <laughs> with another episode next week. All right. God bless.